Hey, Rocky, watch me pull a rabbit out of my hat. Well, I wish you'd explain it to me sometime, Buster. I knew I should have taken that left coin of Albuquerque. By the way, ladies and gentlemen, as always, this stuff in lieu of actual entertainment. Alrighty then, hello and welcome back. This is Storytime and I am Gamer Dude. Glad to have you with us for Season 4 of Storytime with Gamer Dude. Yeah, I'm as shocked as you are. We're here for four seasons now. We've covered a lot of ground over three years and we're going to continue. So thanks for being here. If you've been here for a while, if you've been listening for a while, you know that I tell stories about what I grew up with, how I grew up, the things that I experienced, among other things. I mean, I share other stories as well. Current events sometimes pop in. But a lot of the way that I look at the world, a lot of the way that I grew up, and a lot of the things that formed my frame of reference happened when I was a kid, as is the case with everybody. What we grow up with influences us for the rest of our lives. And one of the things that I grew up with, cartoons. I loved my cartoons. I grew up watching a lot of TV, as I've said before, and I grew up watching a lot of cartoons. And when I was a kid, there was a couple of different kinds of cartoons. The local channels would put together what they would call the Bugs Bunny Show, which really wasn't the Bugs Bunny Show because they would show one, maybe two Bugs Bunny cartoons, but then they'd mix in some other ones. But they would call it the Bugs Bunny Show because Bugs Bunny was so popular. Bugs is going to be a big focus of this episode because I love Bugs, and Bugs is probably the most awesomest character of all time. And I'll explain why. But before we get to that, he fronted these Bugs Bunny shows on the local stations because he was so popular. And what these shows were, were compilations of the cartoons that they would show in the movie theaters. Back in the 30s, back in the 40s, back in the 50s, people went to the movies for obviously entertainment, but they would also get their news from newsreels, and they would get little snippets of entertainment from the cartoons. We get trailers now, and they had trailers then too, but they would also sprinkle in cartoons, either before the movie or between double features, depending on the kind of theater you were at. And the Bugs Bunny cartoons, the Daffy Duck cartoons, the Porky Pig cartoons, Popeye, Betty Boop, Screwy Squirrel, all of those cartoons started in the movie theaters, and they ran about seven, eight minutes each. So fast forwarding to the 60s and the 70s, the local stations would take these cartoons and put them in half hour or hour long episodes. A seven minute cartoon gives you 21 minutes of programming if you put three and a half hour and that leaves you nine minutes for advertising. And when you've got kids watching cartoons, nine minutes of kid focused advertising is a good thing for the advertisers and for the station. So we would get these half-hour shows of The Bugs Bunny Show, or Looney Tunes sometimes, depending on who was putting the show together. They're all basically the same family of animation. And so you'd get Bugs Bunny, you'd get Daffy Duck, you'd get Tweety and Sylvester, Foghorn Leghorn. You'd get all those guys from those early cartoons, and they'd package them together in that half-hour program. So we grew up watching these old cartoons from the 30s, the 40s, the 50s, And for us kids, they were cartoons, but we didn't realize they'd been written with adults in mind, too, because in the movie theaters, the adults would be watching the cartoons before the movie, between the movies. And so there was a lot of adult humor, grown-up type of jokes, puns written on walls, that we missed as kids. But that if you did any reading, or if you took an interest in that sort of thing, which I did, you would see this adult humor, these puns, these things that were different in these cartoons from back in the 30s and the 40s, and it gave you a different level of appreciation for those cartoons. The other kind of cartoons that they made, again, starting in the 60s, going into the 70s, is they started developing cartoon shows directly for television. 
Some were for adults, like the Flintstones. They were a takeoff on the Honeymooners. And the Flintstones was on in prime time for years. You also had the Jetsons, which was the futuristic Flintstones, basically, both by Hanna-Barbera, one of the other companies that did animation art and cartoon shows back then. And those were kind of designed with adults in mind, but then there was some purely child-centered entertainment that was put out, and you'd get cartoons like Yogi Bear and Mr. Peabody and Sherman, although they tended to be a little adult. Rocky and Bullwinkle, also a little adult at times, but still geared more towards the kids. You had Quick Draw McGraw. Quick Draw was great with his sidekick, Baba Louie. Baba Louie was a little burrow who was his basically straight man and also the smart one of the duo because Quick Draw was kind of dopey. He was an old Western sheriff, always trying to beat the bad guys. I remember Quick Draw was famous for his phrase, hold on there. That's just one of those things that sticks in your head. I mean, it's no what's up, Doc, but hold on there was just something that we would say when we were playing. We'd work that into our games. If we were playing tag or whatever, you would often hear one of the kids in the yard yell, Hold on there! And here's a little trivia about Quick Draw. He also had an alter ego. He was also El Cabong. He was kind of like the Zorro character for Quick Draw. El Cabong would bang people on the heads with his guitar. Don't ask me why. It just was the way it was. That's just a thing. We also had Huckleberry Hound. Huckleberry Hound, a southern, laid-back kind of hound dog, I guess is the best way to put it. Huckleberry Hound was famous for singing Oh My Darling Clementine, badly, kind of like me. Oh my darling, oh my darling, oh my darling Clementine. Yeah, that was Huckleberry Hound's claim to fame. They also created Scooby-Doo, one of the first really full-length shows for kids with a cartoon character. I mean, Scooby-Doo, Freddy, Velma, Shaggy... Daphne, and the Mystery Machine. They were geared totally towards kids, ran every Saturday morning. It was a half-hour cartoon, and we loved Scooby-Doo. They followed the same formula with another show that I remember called Speed Buggy. Speed Buggy had three kids with him. The one I remember is Tinker, the one who fixed Speed Buggy. Tinker tinkered with Speed Buggy. The premise was Speed Buggy, and the kids would travel around the world and race but they would always find trouble, some mystery that needed to be solved, some crime that needed to be solved. And Speed Buggy was the smart one, basically. We also had Johnny Quest, another Saturday morning cartoon that was designed for kids. Johnny Quest was cool because he traveled with his father, Dr. Benton Quest, and he had a bodyguard, Race Bannon, and his adoptive brother, Haji. Johnny also had his little dog, Bandit, everywhere. Dr. Quest would be investigating scientific mysteries but that usually led to some kind of trouble that Johnny would have to solve with the help of Haji, and they'd wind up solving mysteries, having adventures. Johnny Quest was cool. There was other cartoons, too. Tom and Jerry, of course. They were on Sunday mornings. Tom and Jerry were always a little mean for me. I mean, they were just mean to each other, just because. I mean, it was kind of slapsticky humor, but I never really took to Tom and Jerry. They were okay. I didn't love them. The Wacky Racers, that was another one that was another child-centric show that was developed. You had Snidely Whiplash, the villain, with his dog, Muttley. Muttley, notorious for the (laughs) laugh. I can't do it justice. But he had just this wheezy little sneaky laugh that he was always grinning through. And of course, the Wacky Racers had to have the hot girl, Penelope Pitstop. I mean, you know, hot girl for a kid watching animation back in the 70s. I mean, Penelope Pitstop was hot for me as a kid. Plus the name, the alliteration. That was all you needed sometimes. Penelope Pitstop. So we loved all those cartoons, and those cartoons were on all of the time. 
I've talked about it before. After school, they would have the Looney Tunes on. You could find the Huckleberry Hound Show. You could find Mr. Peabody and Sherman. Tennessee Tuxedo was in there as well. The cartoon shows would be sprinkled in amongst the syndicated shows like the Munsters, the Addams Family. But we loved the cartoons. And then Saturday mornings devoted to cartoons. You could get up on a Saturday morning, be up by 7. You could watch cartoons from 7 till 11, sometimes 12, depending on the channel. It would literally be four to five hours of cartoon shows. You might have the Flintstones on, followed by the Jetsons, followed by Scooby-Doo, followed by Speed Buggy, followed by Wacky Racers. And that's what Saturday morning would be like, living with those cartoons. One of the interesting things about the cartoons, there weren't any Disney cartoons in this mix. There was no Disney Channel when I was growing up. I mean, Mickey Mouse, Donald Duck, Goofy, Pluto, they existed, we knew about them. But there was no specific outlet for them. I mean, you would see a Disney cartoon in front of a Disney movie at the theater, sometimes. But even back then, Disney kept things in a vault. You didn't see Mickey Mouse cartoons on TV. Maybe occasionally on The Wonderful World of Disney, which was on Sunday nights. But Mickey Mouse, Donald Duck, they weren't on in the afternoons. We didn't see them. So we didn't develop a close affinity with Mickey Mouse or Donald Duck. I mean, we were aware of them. Mickey Mouse became the symbol of Disney and Disney World and Disneyland. Mickey Mouse once upon a time had the Mickey Mouse Club show. That was before my time. But back in the 50s, they had a Mickey Mouse Club show. So people were aware of Mickey back then. But again, the cartoons didn't come out, at least on TV, when I was a kid. So while we were aware of Mickey, we didn't develop a huge love for Mickey or Donald or Pluto or Goofy. At least I didn't. I mean, some kids knew of him and liked him. And I mean, I saw Fantasia as a kid. I have a vague recollection of it. And Mickey does the Sorcerer's Apprentice in there. So I was aware of Mickey. But the cartoon that took my heart, the cartoon character that helped make me who I am today, Bugs Bunny. Bugs Bunny was on everywhere. Bugs Bunny was on all of the time. And Bugs Bunny was cool. There was something about Bugs Bunny that just attracted you to him. You liked him. Bugs Bunny's been around now for over 80 years. Can you believe that? 80 years of Bugs Bunny. Now, my love for Bugs Bunny goes to the original cartoons from the 40s, the 50s, the 60s. That's when people like Chuck Jones and Frizz Freeling and the original writers and directors had a consistent vision for Bugs. And Bugs was a smartass. He was smart-alecky. He had a little bit of an attitude. He had that Brooklyn feel for him. But Bugs was also cool, laid back. He wasn't a bully. Bugs didn't pick on people. Bugs was always being hunted down or found himself in some weird situation. There might have been some kind of misunderstanding. He should have taken the left turn at Albuquerque. And he winds up in a place that he's not supposed to be. Or Elmer Fudd is hunting him down. Or he winds up in a concert hall by mistake. And so Bugs has to figure his way out of it. The cool thing about Bugs is that he didn't start the trouble, but he would definitely finish the trouble. And you know, that's one of the cool things about Bugs. He was consistent. Whoever was writing Bugs, at least at the beginning, they were consistent in his character. They were consistent in the way he was, in his personality, in his style. He handled situations the way we would all want to handle situations. And I think that's why I gravitated towards Bugs. Bugs Bunny was kind of like every man, or every kid in my case. He was never the biggest dog on the chain. He was never the biggest kid in the school. He wasn't the powerful one. But when push came to shove, he would use his intellect. He would use his sense of humor. He would use the fact that he was smarter than other people to get himself out of a situation and, if need be, to get back at those who were after him in the first place. 
He had this unique ability to get himself out of trouble through being smart and a smartass, but without being offensive about it. I mean, you can look at Bugs and compare him to other cartoon characters of more recent vintage. Like, take a look at Bart Simpson or Eric Cartman. They also get back at people. They also have a way of winning. But they have a level of meanness about them that Bugs didn't really have. And I'll tell you what the difference is. Bugs only played tricks on people who deserved it. People who came after him. Bugs didn't throw the first punch or the first stick of dynamite or the first tack on the floor. But he would come back at you. And I think that's one of the things that I didn't like about Tom and Jerry. They would both just go after each other. There was an anger to it. There was an animosity to it. There was just a meanness for the sake of being mean in every Tom and Jerry cartoon. One of them would start off and go after the other one. And the other one would retaliate, which of course you do. But it was all based in, let's see how much we can hurt the other guy. With Bugs, Bugs was defending himself. He didn't go after the little guy. He only went after the little guy if the little guy went after him first, like Yosemite Sam. Yosemite Sam was basically a little guy, but he was an arrogant bully-type little guy. Rootin' tootin' Yosemite Sam would always start stuff with Bugs, and Bugs would always get the better of him after Yosemite Sam started something. But Bugs was also careful of the little guy who was just a harmless little guy. I was looking for the name of the cartoon. I couldn't find the name of the cartoon, but there's this one episode where Bugs failed to turn left in Albuquerque and wound up at the South Pole, and there's a little penguin who befriends him and just wants to be Bugs' friend. And Bugs initially wanted to be mean and get rid of the little penguin because he was a pain. He was dragging him down, slowing him down. But Bugs has a heart of gold, and he couldn't stay mad at the penguin, and they wind up staying together. Spoiler alert, sorry. But Bugs befriends the penguin because he's a little guy who's a harmless little guy. Bugs stands up for the harmless little guy. And really, by doing that, Bugs kind of embodies what we're all supposed to be like. We're all supposed to stand up for the harmless little guy. The guy who can't help himself. And Bugs kind of reflects the way we want to be. The way we should be. We defend ourselves when need be, but we don't unnecessarily provoke a fight, look for a fight, cause trouble, start trouble. But if somebody brings the trouble to us, we take care of it. And Bugs always took care of that trouble with style, with intellect, and with grace. And maybe a smart-alecky comment at the end. So it's all of these characteristics about Bugs Bunny that made me really love Bugs Bunny. He was the guy that you wanted to be when you grew up. And yeah, I say guy. He's a rabbit. Of course he's a rabbit. But he's Bugs Bunny. He's the kind of personality that we all wanted to have, that we all wanted to be. And that was one of the interesting things about Bugs, too. You don't think of Bugs so much as a character or as a cartoon character as much as you think of him as being Bugs Bunny. Whether or not you actually got to see the cartoons of Bugs Bunny, you get the sense, because of the strength of his personality, because of the kind of character that he is, you get the sense that he exists outside the world of cartoons, if that makes sense. Like, Bugs Bunny is there. Bugs Bunny is out there. When we watch him in cartoons, we're just watching a little snippet of what usually goes on in his life, but his life goes on, whether we're watching it or not. Like, to me, Scooby-Doo and the gang, they exist purely for the sake of giving us 30 minutes of entertainment. But Bugs is a viable entity, a viable life, outside of the cartoons, because his personality is so strong. You think he's out there. I know, I sound crazy, don't I? But that's what good writing and good character development does. It creates for you the feeling that Bugs is more than just a cartoon character. I mean, that's true with any good storytelling, with any good character development. 
Stepping away from the cartoons for a second, if you've read any of the Michael Conley books, you think Harry Bosch is a real detective in Los Angeles. If you've read Donald Westlake, you think John Dortmunder is an actual petty thief always trying to get ahead in the world and never quite doing it. You think they exist outside the books because they're so well written, because their personalities are so strong. Same thing with Bugs Bunny. You just think he's out there. He's more than just a couple of ears and a carrot and the iconic line, What's up, Doc? He's a personality that's out there somewhere doing Bugs-type things. I know it sounds strange, but to me, that's what good characters are. They are lasting personalities that exist beyond the page, beyond the film, beyond the TV. And that's why Bugs is so iconic. I wanted to talk about Bugs because MeTV has brought back the Saturday morning cartoons, and actually they've brought back cartoons every morning and included Bugs in the mix. And kicking off their new year of programming, they actually showed a couple of my favorite Bugs Bunny cartoons from the 40s and the 50s. I mean, there are so many good ones, so many of them. One of the best, and you can probably find it on YouTube, is called What's Opera Doc? And it's a very colorful, artistic parody of a Wagner opera. It's got Elmer Fudd in it, of course, and Bugs Bunny, of course, and one of the fattest horses you'll ever see, but it is so well done. The music is great. And by the way, that's one of the other things about Bugs Bunny. They put classical music as the background for a lot of things that they did. And whether you knew it or not, you were getting a little slice of culture with some of the classical music they put in. But what's Opera Doc is one of the best ones that they did because it is such a beautiful parody, beautifully done, beautifully written of an actual opera. So if you get a chance, go look up what's Opera Doc. The other one that stayed with me for literally decades is one that wasn't aired very often. I'm not sure why, because to me it's one of the funniest, one of the smartest, just one of the hands-down best cartoons I've ever seen. It's called Duckamuck. Chuck Jones, who directed a lot of the Bugs Bunny cartoons, directed this one back in 1953, and it is a Bugs Bunny cartoon like no other. Because, spoiler alert, don't listen to the next part if you don't want it to be spoiled, Bugs Bunny only appears in it at the very end. It is such a well-crafted, well-done cartoon featuring Daffy Duck for the most part. And there's some stuff in there with the scenery, with the costumes, with the breaking of the fourth wall, which doesn't happen very often in cartoons. But Bugs Bunny was a master of it, and so was Chuck Jones in many of the cartoons that he did. But that breaking the fourth wall just makes this cartoon so much better. Duck Amok is also available on YouTube, at least it was. And it is so worth it to just give that a look. It is so funny. Now I say that, it's so funny. It's so funny to me because I grew up with this. The sense of humor, the sense of story has changed over the years. A lot of the cartoons that I watch now, it's a very different experience. They don't have the same style. They don't have the same craftsmanship. They don't have the same attitude of those cartoons that I grew up with. They have a different attitude. Some of it is meaner, like Eric Cartman, Bart Simpson. Some of it is just kind of stupid. And some of it is stuff that I just don't find funny. And I guess that's partly because our concept of funny changes as we get older. But quite honestly, I think the humor in those early Bugs Bunny cartoons, whether he's facing off with Yosemite Sam or Wile E. Coyote or Elmer Fudd, there's some classic stuff out there that I just think holds up all these years later. And that's why I stand by those early cartoons. I mean, some of them age poorly. But Bugs Bunny doesn't age. Bugs Bunny's attitude, Bugs Bunny's personality, Bugs Bunny's coolness just stays. It just exists. It's the same today as it was 50 years ago, 60 years ago. 
And quite honestly, I think you'd be doing yourself a favor. If you haven't sat down and watched Bugs Bunny cartoons, go get yourself one of the DVDs of the classic Bugs Bunny cartoons. Not the new stuff. Not the stuff that they did in the 70s and the 80s. I mean, it's okay, but the animation isn't as good. The jokes aren't as good. Get the original stuff from the 40s and the 50s. Sit down and watch some of that. Listen for the puns. Listen for the music. Look at the style. Look at the sense of humor. Look at the smarts in those cartoons. In my opinion, they still hold up today. And quite honestly, if you ever need an explanation for the kind of person that I am, you can look at those cartoons. They helped form the basis of the kind of person that I became. Whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, I leave that up to you to decide. There's a lot of classic cartoons that I grew up with that you don't see too much anymore. You don't see a lot of the early Popeye cartoons anywhere. You don't see a lot of the early Porky Pig cartoons. Actually, Porky Pig and Daffy Duck existed before Bugs. Once Bugs came around, he kind of became the leader of that Warner Brothers band. But you can find those old cartoons some places. You can get them on DVD. And to me, it's well worth a look at some of that old stuff. There's some good humor in there. There's some good characters in there. Don't get me wrong, I like some of the recent stuff. I mean, Dexter's Lab was interesting. Johnny Bravo was cool. The Powerpuff Girls, I love them. But it's a different style, and I look at them with a different eye than the stuff that I grew up with. And I'm telling you, when I watch some of those old cartoons, they do bring back some great memories. You may not look at them the same way that I do, but I still think that the humor in some of that older stuff, especially the Bugs Bunny stuff, I think it really holds up, and I think it's worth your time. So I highly recommend giving it a look when you get the chance. Anyway, that's going to do it for this week's episode. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you for being a part of things. As always, I can't thank you enough for all of the time that you spend here and for taking the time to listen. Until next time, you guys take care of yourselves. And I'll see you when I see you.